Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name. I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 34. We were in Psalm 37 just a few minutes ago. <clears throat> I'd like to read a few verses from Psalm 34. <clears throat> Beginning at verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. We'll, we'll pause there. This psalm begins with praise and blessing. Uh, to the Lord, and uh, it's it's a description of a heart, a soul that that seems to know the Lord and to have confidence in God, and is exalting God and trusting in God. And it says in verse four, "I sought the Lord, and He delivered me. He heard me, and He delivered me from all my fears." And then a little later on here in the passage that we read, uh, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, that fear God. And in verse 9, O fear the Lord. Several times there in, in this passage talks about fear. And he says, hearken unto me in verse 11, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It seems like this, this the psalmist here is, is a man that fears the Lord. And yet he is finding, as he fears the Lord, a, uh, a confidence, a comfort in the face of fears of things on the earth, of his circumstances, of troubles that he faces, whatever they may be. And he has come to, to know the Lord to a point where he knows a God that he can trust and that he worships and that he praises and that he fears. And he tells us, I want you to learn about fearing the Lord. I want to teach you about fearing the Lord. So what does this mean? When, when we're called on to fear the Lord, 
to fear the God in heaven? Does it just mean uh, respect and reverence? It does mean reverence. Uh, But it means more than that. In both the Old and the New Testament, it means more than just respect and reverence. There are words uh, that mean simply honor and respect in the Scriptures. In Leviticus 19.3, Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. You shall have great respect and honor for your parents. Leviticus 19.3. And in Exodus 20, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And in 1 Peter, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So we're to honor parents, we're to honor men and kings, these are terms that we looked at here that, that mean honor and respect. But fear also includes an aspect of being afraid, of having a, of, uh, of even being terrified, of having a fear in that, in that sense. In the Old Testament, when uh, the sailors threw Jonah overboard, those were not calm men. And the sea calmed down and the raging sea, you know, quit heaving and the storms paused. But that's when, that's when the men were really afraid. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Now, the storm was scary enough, but what happened here uh, was terrifying to them. That this storm would just stop when they threw this man overboard. They feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. A lot they didn't know about the Lord. But they were, they were awestruck. They saw a great power and they sensed that there was judgment being done uh, to this man Jonah that they had thrown overboard. They saw something that was beyond their ability to begin to understand. And it it struck terror in their hearts. And they knew there was a God that they didn't know much about. And they were afraid of Him. In Malachi 3, in verse 16, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before them for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And there the word is fear, like with that has something to do with being scared. There's a reverence with this fear. In the New Testament, in 1 Peter 2, verse 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The fear of God includes reverence, certainly, but it also means, uh, it, it also includes being afraid. 
being having a, a kind of a of of being frightened, alarmed, to be in awe of. Those those uh, feelings are all all part of that fear. So there is a reverence, there is a deep reverence with with some degree of of uh, fearfulness. Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon uh, many years ago, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And it's, it's that uh, sense of, of knowing God is, is also a God of judgment and justice. Many people today, even many Christians, uh, they want to see God's love. They want to see God's mercy and God's long-suffering. They don't want to tremble. They want comfort from God. They want consolation. They want tolerance and patience from God and mercy. And in many cases, they would just like God to to, uh, leave them pretty much where they are and, and let them be comfortable there. Now, we do need to see God's love. We do need to see God's mercy. God wants us to see that. He wants us to be impressed with how deeply he loved us. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus on the earth, who loved the people that he came in contact with. And to show us how much he loves us. But we need to know God as he is. Now, some people go to the, to the other extreme and they lift up God as high and holy and harsh. They picture God as glaring at man and ready to pounce on his every wrong move and to ready to smite him. We dare not leave love behind but we need to see those, those characteristics of God also that inspire in us fear and awe. In fact, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we're told a number of times in Proverbs. In the Old Testament, we read about the children of Israel and Moses And there were times when they feared God. There were times when they didn't. But there were times when they feared God. And there's a New Testament passage that tells about one of those times in Hebrews 12, beginning at verse 18. Maybe you want to turn there. Hebrews 12, beginning at verse 18. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire. This is describing Mount Sinai and the children of Israel gathered out there at Mount Sinai when God came down on the mountain and describes what they saw on that physical mountain and how frightened they were. Uh, The mount that might be touched that burned with fire nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest 
and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. They wished it would be silent, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Now Moses was the, the friend of God. It describes him as the friend of God. He knew God better than, than the rest of the Israelites, his contemporaries. And he's saying here, I shudder with fear. The passage goes on to tell us that we have a better access to that heavenly throne of God through a better covenant, through a savior, a superior mediator, Jesus Christ. But we must still fear God. It's the same God. And he goes on in verse 22. But ye, that is us in this New Testament, coming to uh, something different. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth, the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Now we uh, notice there in the description in Hebrews that the children of Israel were uh, terrified, literally. They heard the trumpet. They saw the smoke. And they had heard the commandments, don't you dare touch this mountain. Don't let any of your animals touch the mountain. Anyone or anything that touches the mountain will be killed. And this was terrifying to them. And even Moses, the friend of God, trembled. And this same God is the God of the New Testament, the God who sent Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it didn't introduce to us a different God. It didn't introduce to us an era when we no longer need to fear God. It doesn't mean that there's nothing now to be afraid of and concerned about. Those things are just as serious now as they were then. In fact, he says, if see that ye refuse not to listen to him that speaketh, those who didn't listen then, judgment came on them. 
And how much more severely will God in this age of mercy and in this time of revealing himself more fully and more completely through his son, Jesus Christ, and through the New Testament scripture, how much more responsible are we? God brought judgment on the Old Testament. Uh, Sinners, the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, those are, those are uh, sobering stories to read, and they were true. And it's no different now. This God is no different than, than He, than the God of the Old Testament. He is relating to mankind in a different way, but He is the same God. And a warning that is also given to us in Hebrews, uh, a couple chapters earlier, Hebrews 10, verse 26 and 27. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for, for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. If we take God for granted, if we are careless about his mercy and his sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and we live selfishly in the way we want and disregard God, disregard his word, disregard his call and his commandments and his will, there is no other sacrifice than Jesus. Jesus is the only sacrifice. If we disregard him and his ways, there's nothing else that will bring to us redemption, nothing else that will provide redemption. And this isn't talking about a, uh, a failure. Uh, we sin, we need cleansing every day. We need the mercy, the, the uh, blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us daily. But he's describing here a, a willful sinning going on, knowing better, but just continuing. Paul wrote in Philippians 2.9 about Jesus. I'll read several verses there, beginning at verse 9 of Philippians 2. Wherefore... God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That is with, with a certain anxiousness. This is God saying this in the inspired scripture. That is that we have a seriousness 
and anxiousness about our soul. And we shrink from that which would displease God. And knowing that eternity is at stake, knowing that that just having said that I love Jesus and having having accepted Christ as my Savior, just having made a one-time decision doesn't mean that I can't lose the glorious thing I found. That I can't walk away from that safe place, from that safe salvation. That is possible. The scriptures teach that. It has happened to people. And we know about temptations that we face and discouragements and failures, things that could lead us away further from God. And we need to take care. We need not, we need to be careful not to neglect the condition of my soul, our souls before God. You know, eternity, eternity is forever. And once we reach eternity, there is no second chance. We know him now. We know to whom we are accountable. And we have a a godly fear toward him, for him, a great respect, a great reverence, a reverent caution. We have a holy awe we need to have. These are things that are on a serious Christian's mind. God is not a kindly grandfather who is interested in his grandchildren, but he doesn't have direct responsibility for them. He is Jehovah. He is the creator. And he is directly involved with men's affairs. It is the father dealing with his children He is the righteous judge to whom all men are accountable. Man will be judged for his deeds, the scriptures tell us. He is a God of wrath and justice upon sin. Now God's wrath is a holy wrath. You know, we read about the wrath of man. We're told in James that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And that's because men get mad and they, they lose control. And they, they swing out at people and hammer and smack and do unholy things when they're angry. But God's wrath is a holy wrath. It is not an anger that's out of control. It's not God hasn't lost his temper and flails flailing away and beating up somebody. God's anger is fierce, but it is holy and just and righteous. (laughs) 
When God brought judgment upon Israel different times, it was a just judgment. When God brought justice on Ananias and Sapphira, which we looked at just a few Sundays ago in our Sunday school lesson, it was a just judgment. And it said that in Acts there in chapter 5, that when uh, Ananias and Sapphira were buried, that, that whole incident, when that happened, great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. It was a reverent fear. It was a fear that had scared in it. You know, the fear of God is good. To fear God is is good. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we heard already. It moves us towards wise choices, toward uh, more godly decisions. What does God think? What does God want? I will answer to God for my decision here. The fear of the Lord promotes obedience. In Leviticus 19, thou shalt not curse the deaf nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shalt fear thy God. I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord, Jehovah. Ye shall not therefore oppress one another, but thou shalt fear thy God, for I am the Lord. I am Jehovah, your God. So commandments, fear the Lord, obey the command. And the Lord commanded us to do all these commandments, Moses said, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And in Ephesians 5, 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, knowing that, you know, we have these commandments, we have these instructions, we know A lot about the will of God. We have more to learn. We know a lot about the character of God. We heard about this often through our week of meetings just a couple weeks ago. And in all of those things that we heard, uh, we want to respond to them. We want to make the choices. Uh, We want to submit ourselves to God's will in the fear of God. You know, in the faith chapter, it lists uh, people of faith. They were remarkable for their faith. They were remarkable for their obedience through their faith. And we call them heroes of faith often. But they also feared God. Maybe they were heroes of fear, too. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, 
and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God through of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He obeyed. And closely aligned with that would be that the fear of God encourages holiness. In Romans 3, it describes people who have no fear of God and, and uh, they, there was no restraint in the way they lived wickedly. In Second Chronicles 19, verse 7, Wherefore now, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. Bribes. Let the fear of God be upon you. Second Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We know who God is. We know what God says. Let's let's follow him. Let's fear him. Let's reverence him like he is due. In 2 Peter 3, I'd like to read a passage there. Maybe you want to turn to this. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Scoffers, fearless people, scoffing at God living after their own lusts and saying in verse four, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? in all holy conversation and godliness, 
looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for, a new hev- for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. The fear of the Lord moves us, moves in us a desire to be holy, to be what God has called us to be. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, I've said this before, what is, what is the end of wisdom? If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what is the end of wisdom, the fullness of wisdom? I believe it brings us to know the love of God. It's the love of God. And in Paul's prayer, he prayed that we would find, in, in Ephesians 3, he, would, he prayed that we could find the love of God, that we could experience the love of God with all saints. The breadth, the length, the depth, the height. To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. In Romans eight fifteen, it says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Uh, One translation, I like the way it describes that last part. Uh, But you have received a spirit of adoption in which we cry out, My Father, my dear Father. Did Paul fear God? Yes, he feared God. He had a great fear and reverence for God. Did he love God? Did he know God's love? He did. He did. And perfect love uh, diminishes the terror aspect of knowing God. It doesn't make us less respectful or reverential toward God And that fear scare factor should always be there in our hearts. But the terror can diminish and grow less as we walk close to him, as we follow him, as we have peace with him. 1 John 4, beginning at verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God dwelleth in him, and he is in, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. When we respond to the love of God with our love, with surrendering to him, devoted to him, following him, not following the world, not following the selfish, sinful urges and pride and and, uh, sinfulness in its many forms, but surrendered to God and following God, loving him because he first loved us. We're at a place of peace. We know that God is a God of judgment, but we have found uh, the place of mercy. We have found the place of forgiveness and peace. When judgment comes, when the end comes, uh, every knee will bow at, at some point. And every tongue shall confess, Paul wrote, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And at that point, there will be, everyone will acknowledge, will recognize and acknowledge God. But there will be a group, a large group, that will be terrified. No no salvation, no peace, no hope. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The sinners. Revelation 6, verses 15 and 16. But those who have feared God and have committed themselves to God, to following Christ. From Isaiah 66, verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word, you that take God and his word seriously. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy and they shall be ashamed. Hearing about the second coming is uh, is terrifying for the sinner. But to the Christian, it's comforting. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. There's no fear. There's no edification. There's no comfort. The comfort is for those who fear the Lord. 
Why would some people not have any fear of God? Well, some people don't know God. I was talking to somebody just the other day who uh, had met a Chinese lady in Washington, D.C. and was uh, witnessing to her and has been in contact with her since several times by email. And the lady says, you know, uh, I don't have a religion. I don't, I don't know your God. I don't know who Jesus is. Who is this Jesus? So there are people that have many fears but don't fear God. There are people that just take God for granted. Sometimes there are Christians who tend to take God for granted. There's lots of time. Things are, you know, like the scoffers that said nothing has happened yet. Hasn't happened for a long time and nothing has happened yet. That's, that's a, that can happen to Christians even to think that way, even if they're not scoffing. Maybe God seems far away and settling up seems far away. If we're at that point where, you know, really we're not taking God very seriously, we need to come to the reality, come to the truth. You know, just not being afraid because we're not thinking about God. Sometimes people even try to put the thought of God and judgment and holiness and things like that out of their minds. And they don't want to think about them. They don't want to hear it. They want to amuse themselves with fun and good times and laughing and laughing and, and not take, not just, we, I'll think about that later. I know it's out there. I really know it's there somewhere. But I, I don't want to think about it right now. Or if we're fearful because we know that all is not well between us and God. There are unsettled things, unconfessed sins, unsurrendered areas of our life. You know, the answer the answer is not running from God. It's not running fearfully from God, not trying to hide from God and calling on mountains to fall on us. That is not the answer. The answer is running. Running to God. That's the answer. There's a beautiful verse in Acts 9. I'll close with that. Acts 9, verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. And this is the part that I like walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. They were living with a fear for God, a reverence, a deep reverence and respect for God. 
that affected all of their lives. And in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. That's a, that's a pretty nice balance. In the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, experiencing communion with God, knowing the love of God, the conviction of the Spirit, confessing, repenting, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. That's where I want to walk. I pray that all of us want to walk there. And may God bless us as we seek Him.